What's up, tribe? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Superfeast. I've been using Superfeast products for a number of months now, and the changes have been absolutely incredible. My quality of sleep has improved. My energy levels remain consistent throughout the day. I don't suffer from that mid-afternoon fatigue anymore. My anxiety levels have decreased dramatically after I started using the ashwagandha capsules. Whatever you need, you'll find it at Superfeast. They've got lion's mane, cordyceps, turkey tail, as I just mentioned, the ashwagandha capsules which are great for reducing anxiety and stress levels and also another one i use religiously mushroom mate it's a formula uh, to improve immunity and ever since i started using them i haven't caught so much as a sniffle it's incredible so head to superfeast.com.au and enter the promo code primod to receive a discount on your order my guest today is Jake Matthews. Jake currently competes in the UFC's welterweight division and proudly represents Australia on the world stage. He's such a good guy. I had a great time talking to him and I hope you guys enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Podcasting. Podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Prime Podcast. Independent, unfiltered, and uncensored. Beginning in three... Two, one. Jake Matthews, thanks for joining me, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Mate, mate it's, um, you know what? I remember when you followed me on Insta and I thought, holy shit, it's Jake Matthews, man. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. And yeah, man, it's just an honor to, to have you on my show and having a chat to you. And mate, it'd be good. Yeah, I'm excited. I've, I've been a fan of yours and followed your stuff on Instagram as well, and it's kept me it's kept me entertained during the the lockdowns and whatnot. So, um, yeah, now I'm excited to be on. Thanks, man. Now, what's going on? So you you're supposed to have a fight a few months ago, December. I was supposed to have I was supposed to have three fights in the last twelve months, and only one of them eventuated. So, so not not ideal. Um, I fought last March against Sean Brady, and then I had a contract signed to fight uh, Alex Oliveira. He's a pretty pretty well-known guy, veteran yeah. of the sport. So that would have been an awesome fight, and that was in October. And the lack of flights ended up making the fight get cancelled, um, which is not what I wanted. And then the fight got rescheduled for December, uh, which was the latest I could fight because we, we had a baby on the way, which the baby just arrived last week. So well, Congratulations, um, man. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, with you never know. Like, they, they stopped the lockdowns. Uh, sorry, they, they stopped the, um, the lockdowns and the quarantines, but... You, you know, you never know. At the drop of a hat, they could just kick them off again. So I didn't want to be traveling too close to when the baby was due. Mm. So we, we we went in December, and um, everything everything went well. You know, we made the weight cut, um, weighed in. I uh, I told my coach, I said, I want I want to sleep in till ten a.m. on the, the day of the fight. I said, don't wake me up before then. But anyway, I got, he knocks on my door at nine a.m. and I have a go at him. I said, I told you not to wake me up so early. He goes, No, I got to talk to you. He said. Um, you're, you're not my not my opponent. My opponent's corner got COVID, and so the fight's off. Oh shit! Um, and I'll just yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to build a big house at the moment on five acres. We had a baby coming. My last fight got cancelled, so I'm sort of panicking a little bit. But we had a we had a train a training partner there, teammate Jimmy Crute, and he yep. was fighting. The fight was still a go ahead, so. I just completely threw all my stuff to the side. You know, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion, there's no point worrying about things you have no control over. That's, that's mm. the biggest cause of stress in your life. So for that, for that moment, I couldn't control what was happening. Uh, I had no answers. So I just put all my effort into getting my teammate ready. 
Yep. And um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best fight week for, for either of us, but uh, I still end up working something out at the UFC, so it was good. And now we've rebooked, so we've got some coming up in May, hopefully. Who's your opponent in May? I uh, haven't got anyone confirmed yet. I put a few names to them, so yep. some guys within the top fifteen. So uh, and I think I'm well and truly there. I've, I've, I've uh, changed a few things in my training schedule. So I feel good. I feel like it's my time to make that push. You know, it's everyone has that time where they where they they're going to push as high as they can get. I think that's that's my time now. Um, so I'm just going to take it and run with it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's you started off at as lightweight, is that right? Then went to welterweight. You've moved a yeah. few times up and down, yeah. Yeah. So when I was so so George St Pierre and BJ Penn were my all time favorite fighters. Um, and for that reason, I wanted to fight at welterweight, specifically because of George St. Pierre. Um, so even when I was, I was, I started fighting at sixteen, amateur, turned pro when I was eighteen. So I'd go, I'd go to Wayne's and I'd, I'd weigh in fully clothed, phone in my pocket, just trying to get as close to welterweight as I could, and I was still under. So I was, I could have fought lightweight easily, but I wanted to, I wanted to be a welterweight for whatever reason. And um, yeah, I had a good run. I had seven, seven wins in a row. Got the call up for the Ultimate Fighter. Didn't didn't win the Ultimate Fighter, but then I ended up getting a call up for UFC in Auckland. Yeah. And um, you know, I was training in Albuquerque for 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 quite a while with with Kyle Noak. I was staying with Kyle Noak, training with you know guys like Diego Sanchez, Cowboy Cerrone, um, John Jones, and and you can see how big the guys are. Yeah, some of those some of their lightweights were, were bigger than I was, and I was fighting a welterweight, so. So, you know, in that, that decision, I was still 19 at the time. Yep. So I decided to make, make the cut down, back down to lightweight. So I went welterweight, then down to lightweight. And then, uh, you know, be, being 19, I was still going to grow over the years. So with each fight, the, the weight cuts got progressively harder uh, mm-hmm. until the point where I, I had partial renal failure, my last weight cut. So I started having a little bit of kidney failure and um, also had a couple of seizures cutting away too. So oh, that that become that then it becomes a health issue. So yeah. you know, and then I, I met my partner. You know, got pregnant. So I thought, you know, I want to be around for my kids. I, I was still contemplating making lightweight, and it's one of those things. You know, if, if I die, I die. Pretty much. Yeah. So um, then you know, Mrs. gets pregnant, and you start thinking about you know having kids and want to be around for them. So it's sort of a no-brainer. So I said, man, I go up to welterweight. If I get my ass kicked, I'll, at least I'll get my ass kicked being healthy, and uh, it actually worked out better. I um the smaller weight cut. I, I kept my strength. I kept my um you know my fitness. I didn't uh, I didn't feel too heavy or laboured. And you know I'm probably one of the smaller welterweights, but I haven't had a fight where I've really felt overpowered and 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 you know like my opponent has too much strength. So I think it was a good move going up. Yeah, man. I seen. I think I messaged you about it. I sent a photo of you a few weeks ago. I mean, you look jacked, jacked. That's why I was surprised when you told me what weight you're at because you look so yeah. much bigger. So you're a big guy, and look for welterweight. That's the thing as well. People don't realize is that when you see these guys the day before at the weigh-ins, compared to when they're fighting, there's a big difference, right, in the weight. So you just say you weigh in at welterweight. Well, maybe not so much yourself because that's probably not too far away from your natural weight. But let's just say when you're at lightweight, one of your last lightweight fights. So you weigh in at one fifty-five. What's that in kilo? That's like seventy. That's seventy. Seventy on the dot. Seventy. Okay, so yeah. Fast forward 24 hours when you're fighting and you walk in the cage. What are you walking in there at? 
Um, I'd put on anywhere from nine to, I think one time I put on 11 kilos. Fucking 24 I'd get, hours. I'd get up to, yeah, I'd get up to, I'd get up to 79, 80, 81. And in fact, yeah. I actually, I actually walked around. So now I walk around about 83 and a half, 84 kilos. Yeah. So I don't cut much. I cut about seven kilos, six and a half, seven kilos max. When I was a lightweight, I cut to 70. I'd walk around about, I walked up to, up to 93. So Shit. 87, 88, up to 93. That's, yeah. So I walk around lighter, even though I'm fighting heavier. And yeah. I took a leaf out of uh, Rob Whitaker's book. He, he was the same. He was walking around heavier, about 110, fighting welterweight. And now he's gone up to middleweight. Yeah. And he's walking around closer to weight. You know, he's not necessarily the biggest middleweight, but he was always fresh and explosive and kept his strength in the fights. So that's, that's what's important. Mm. You know, I, I, I would double the size of the lightweights, but every single fight, I'd go back to my corner and I'd just say, fucking hell, that guy's strong. And, and they did. They felt like they, they felt absolute monsters. I couldn't move them. And then at welterweight, it's, it's the opposite. I feel like I have the strength advantage. So it's weird. It's a weird paradigm, but it's, uh, it's definitely been beneficial. It's weird, but it's also not, I guess to be unexpected. I mean, you, you're cutting that amount of weight; it has to impact your your strength, your cardio. I guess as well would suffer. Do you find fighting at welterweight your cardio is better? Everything's better. Okay. Everything, including you know, you see, yeah, lightweight. There was sometimes it didn't even look like I got hit, and I seemed to stumble. And yeah. um, actually, because I because I had partial renal failure, I went and had a checkup, and I I was down. I had like I was down by like thirty percent cerebral fluid. I think I was at 60% one time cerebral fluid, so you can get knocked out easier. Um, obviously, you, you, you know, your thought process isn't going to be as, as good. Um, I had a good portion of um, the air pockets in my lungs closed up from severe dehydration, so I didn't have full capacity of my lungs either. So it's just, it's just a complete mess cutting that much weight. You know, some, I think some guys can do it. I think even Kamzat uh, Chimaev, he's... He walks around bigger than me, and I'm pretty sure he, he had a lightweight fight in the UFC, one of his first three fights. And, yeah, yeah and he's, he's a big boy. I think it just depends on your body. Well, guess, my, his but, most um, recent fight was at middleweight, wasn't it? Most recent? It might have been, sure yeah. Did. Pretty yeah, sure he fought. I mean, I've, someone said he last night. Yeah, he'll be like a three-division champion, first one, I reckon. And oh, I, that dude's I scary. Doubt it. He's, he's, yeah. Him and Islam, Mak- Makachev, those two guys are different. Man, I watched his performance yesterday. Unbelievable. It's like, it's like watching Khabib again. Yeah, I didn't even watch it. I, I don't normally watch UFCs. Um, you don't watch them at all? Weird. Nah, nah. What, what was I doing on Sunday? I was, I was at a baby expo. <laughs> I love but, it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, but I no, it. I, it's probably a little bit different. But my comparison, I'll say, you know, my mate's a Sparky, for example. I'll say, do you go home and watch videos of people putting in powerpoints in the wall? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like, true. You need, a, you need, a, fair you need point. a mental break. You need a mental break sometimes from if everything. You know, all my mates are fighters. I fight for a living. Um, every, everything is just complete bombardment of UFC and fighting. So my one day off, I want to do something else instead of going to the pub getting bailed up by fans and talking about UFC all day. So, you know, we, we jump on the motorbikes, um, we go out camping, um, anything else apart from fighting. So that, that's my goal, at least one day a week on Sunday or whatever my day off is. That's what I'll try and do. Um, Makes sense. Apparently, apparently, with, the, with the exception of big super fights, 
um, that excite me, I'll, I'll go and watch them, of course. But the normal UFC fight nights or you know just the pay per views here and there, I don't I don't usually get involved. I always stay up to date with the results and any current news within the MMA world because yep. uh, it obviously concerns me. Yep. So, but in, in terms of watching the events themselves, yeah, I don't really don't really watch it much. Makes sense. I mean, you, you, people, I guess people forget that that is your job and you spend, you know, most of your time in that environment, as you said, with your mates who are fighters and talking about fighting and then you run into fans, I'm sure, and they talk about fighting. Then you come on this podcast and I talk to you about fighting. So you, <laughs> you, you get it, you get it. But it's, um, look, so what about your opponent? So if you know you've got a fight coming up, do you just go into like an app, the, the UFC app and just watch their last few fights or how, how do you do that? There's something I've always done. I mean, I, so I've, I've recently started trying to like regress, regress back to when I was younger. Because if you watch my, my fights when I was a kid, I was a complete animal. Like, not, like I did not care who I went in there against. I went in there, I had two professional fights and I went in there against Australian champions who have all these accolades. And every single fight I was, a, I was an underdog. My first fight, my first debut, I fought a guy who was seven wins, five knockouts, a big, big Islander guy. And I just, I just went in there and fought him. Um, and I won every fight that I went in. So, and I never did any video research. I didn't focus too much on what my opponent was doing. I knew what I was good at, you know. And in my mind, it's fighting fighting's simple. At, at its purest form, it's simple. If they're beating you on the feet, take them down. If they're good on the ground, keep it stand up. It's, that's, that was my mindset back in the day. And it worked for me. If there was ever a time where I was in trouble, I'd switch it up and I'd go to a different aspect of the sport. I'd, I'd wrestle them or I'd take them down or I'd, I'd defend takedowns and, and stand back up. Um, you know, whereas recently, there's been a lot of emphasis on what my opponent's good at and focusing too much on, you know, if this foot is fucking 10 degrees to the left, they're going to throw this strike. You know what I mean? Mm. At the end of the day, it's fighting. As soon as you get punched in the face, everything changes. And that goes to the same for your opponent. I've... um. You know, the biggest one, the biggest opener for me was against Kevin Lee. He was, um, he was striking with everyone. He had a few knockouts. He was, he was, he was a stand-up guy in my eyes. Yeah. And we went out and fought, and he just started bombing my legs, just double leg after double leg. And I just, in my mind, I was like, man, he's not allowed to do this. Like, this mm. is not, you know what I mean? This is not what I, I, I trained for. And, um, and yeah, and then he just said, he goes, he thought my stand-up was really good. He didn't want to stand up with. Me. So he just started taking me down. So that opened my eyes. You know, you can't be set on the game plan because it's always going to change. And uh, and that's what I did when I was younger. So we're starting to get back to that now. Yeah. And um, yeah. It could work for you. I mean, if, if it served you well in your, your career earlier on, then who knows? It's It must be hard though, because at the level you're at, you sort of know everyone. So like, you know, the guy you're going to be fighting. So, and you know what they're good at. So even if you try that- to switch that off, it's still going to have to play a part. I would have to imagine, to some extent. Oh, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch the fights. If I get an opponent, I'll watch the fights. A little bit under sufferance because my coach makes me, but I'll watch them once. I'll watch each of their fights once, and I'll say, "Oh, I know what he's good at," you know. And if there are little details I can pick out, I pick them out. And from then, it's my coaches will watch the footage, you know, multiple times, and they'll just they'll just discreetly bring the game plan into training. They won't say. All right, your opponent does this, so we're going to do this. We'll, we'll just train it. Yeah. And again, that just takes away that constant bombardment of like, you've got a fight coming up. Um, another thing when I was younger, which it's, it's 
pretty hard to do when you're fighting in a professional organization like the UFC. But all my fights back when I was younger, they were probably like a like a week, two weeks, maybe max maximum four weeks notice. So you didn't have time to to get into your own head. You know, mm-hmm. you train all year round, you stay fit to fight. They'll hit you up and they'll be like, "Hey, you want to fight in a couple of weeks?" My first my first fight was like four days notice, and didn't have time to think about it. And uh, that's the way I fought best. So. You know, my worst fights are probably when I have these third, 12, 13 week training camps. So that's something else we've done is we've, you know, I'll stay fit, but the training camp itself where we really, really push hard is about is four to six weeks maximum. And, um, and that's when I've had my best fights. So it's, it's a balancing act. And I, I did get in the UFC when I was 19. So I had to learn on the job. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people say, oh, you've had 15 fights, you should be champion now. And I said, they're not really. I said, these, these other guys, you know, Israel and, Alex Volkanovsky, I said they were they were established before they got in the UFC. I said I got in there when I was a kid. Mm. So I got I got to learn and progress while fighting in the hardest organization in the world. And I feel like I've I feel like I'm at the point now where I've I know what I need to do. So as I said before, just time to make that push to the as high as I can get. Man, I, I thought that when I watched you fight um, Diego Sanchez. That's what I was thinking watching that fight. I thought you know what you hit another level in terms of I think just the maturity level. To be honest, you it was a bit different to the other fights I watched you in previously, and mm. that must have been. Look, I don't know how it would feel for you. I mean, Diego Sanchez is a mate, he's an OG of the sport, right? He's on the first Ultimate Fighter. What's it like for you when you have to go into a fight against a guy like that who you probably respect and you've watched growing up, like I did? What's it like for you fighting the sort of the veterans? Is it the same for you, like just business as usual, or is there a little bit of more respect for those guys than your other opponent. How does that feel for you? Uh, it is different. The um, the difference was I, I've never gotten nervous for anything in my life. I don't I, I don't know what it is. Um, I've never had I never suffered, suffered nerves. I get anxious, you know. Again, because you know a long training camp, then you got fight week, and you're sitting around waiting, and then you get to the event three hours before the fight. And there's a lot of waiting, yeah. Which gets you just you get anxious. You just want to get in there and get it done, but um. But with the Diego one, it was there was the nervousness because that's a guy that you want to get. You know, I want I want him I want him on my list. I want his name on my list of guys that I've beaten. Yeah. Um, so I put I put that pressure on myself. I, I did, yeah, I did uh, show a bit of maturity, but also probably a, bit, a little bit too safe in that fight. Yeah. Um, there were a few times where I could I could have finished the fight. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I got the win. You know what I mean? Mm. And. You don't people from the outside people can't tell, but when you're in there with a guy like Diego, yeah, he had his he had his black belt when I was like ten years old in Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. yeah. When, we, when we hit the floor, I could feel that. So a few people are saying you should just kept punching him. I said, man, you don't understand. Like I could feel this guy just just the movement of his hips. Yeah. I was like, this guy's good on the ground. Um. So yeah, that's that nervousness sort of held me back a bit. But at the end of the day, you you get in there to get the win and. And you know, however you have to get the win is is what you got to do, and that's what I did for that fight. So, man, because I remember oh, watching. Yeah. I remember what I mean, one of my favorite fighters is Anderson Silva. Man, I used to, I love watching that guy compete. Yeah. The guy's a ninja, and I remember watching his last. I think it was his last fight now, where he fought. He was uh, Uriah Hall. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that fight. Like he got, he got it was a beatdown, right? And I remember watching it, thinking, "Man, I wonder how it must feel for Uriah, because obviously there's so much respect for someone like Anderson in the sport. Like, it'll have to imagine, like, I guess not feeling bad because you're doing your job ultimately, but and they're trying to hurt you as well. But 
like it must be something like when you fight one of these veterans, the older blokes, does a part of you feel like, fuck, I really don't want to be punching this guy in the face? 100%, yeah. I think yeah. I said in the interview, like, I wanted, I just wanted to, I wanted to apologize to him, like mid, mid beat down, because I think, I think there's something you're, I'd probably agree too. You just have this feeling in the fight. You just see, you know, when I had the ground and pound at the end, I, you just see in their face, like, like this is, he's going to retire after this fight. That's his, this is his last fight. I think you just see a, a light go out, something go out. Mm. Um, and I definitely saw that with Diego. I was like, I don't think he's going to be fighting after this. And, and he didn't, you know, I think he, he wanted to, but, at the end of the day, it didn't end up eventuating. So I think Uriah felt the same thing. Obviously, mm. uh, they've gone they've gone on to fight. You know, Anderson's doing some boxing, and I think he's doing. Like, he's not bad. Yeah, yeah. We beat he beat a really well-known guy, uh, legend of boxing. So and then Diego wants to go to bare knuckle against um against uh, Kevin Lee, which I think is going to be an absolute slaughter. But sure. but again, who, who knows if that's going to actually eventuate or not? But uh, yeah, you definitely 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 felt bad for him. Yeah, man, and it gets to a point where you don't want to see. Yeah, yeah. and it's not the same, they're not the same person that they, they were. Like. Yeah, of, of course, and and you know, it gets to the point where you don't really want to watch them compete, not because you don't enjoy it, but because you don't want them. Like Diego Sanchez fighting bare knuckle should be like he shouldn't be doing that. Let's be honest. Yeah, the yeah, guy shouldn't be getting punched in the head anymore. Like he's he's been punched in the best part of twenty years, and he's been in some wars, some wars. I remember him when he fought BJ Penn. Mm. Man, he's been in some wars, that guy. And you're like, man, like, I don't know what it is. Is it money? Is it just, I don't think it's money for some guys. I think it's just, that's all they know. I think it's one thing to get to a, a point physically where you can't compete at that level anymore. Then it's another step to just stop fighting altogether. Because that's his identity. That's who he is. I don't think he's, you know, there's, that's what everyone knows him for. I know guys who have fought, uh, you know, at the level of 1FC, some Australian guys and retired from fighting and just completely lost who they were, you know, had, uh, you know, ended up going through divorces and suffering depression and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, you just lose, you lose who you are, I guess. So I think it's one of, that's why a lot of these guys, they just keep fighting till they're older because they don't have anything else. Whereas myself, I've, I've seen that. I was in, uh, I was in Albuquerque when I was 18 years old, you know, partying with John Jones, John Jones and all these guys in Jamaica and, Training with all these, all these, you know, elite level UFC fighters. But what I saw was the behind the scenes. You know, I, I used to watch all the prime times and the countdowns, and I was like, man, that's the lifestyle. That's what I want. And um, and that's what I was after. I didn't, I didn't necessarily. I liked fighting, but I, I wanted the lifestyle that I yeah. saw on those videos. And I got to the US, and I was like, man, man, these guys are living three, four, five up in one house, renting because they actually have no money. And yeah. then you know, mate, what maybe maybe 0.1% of all fighters across the entire world get to the UFC, if that. And then of the guys in the UFC, maybe, you know, half a percent actually make enough money where it was worth their time. Um, and what I saw is the majority of the guys, they you know, they, they have a little stint in the UFC. They're in their early, mid-30s. Uh, they have no money saved up. They've got no other prior education. They've sacrificed having a relationship. So they've got no kids. They've got no missus. They're living three, four up in a house renting, and now they're just going to be taking P's, PTs at a gym for the rest of their life. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a sad it sight. Bad to see, yeah, yeah. And I just made that decision. Then I said, "Man, if I'm going to do this, because I was going to defer from uni, uh, I was going to put everything I had into fighting." And I said, "If I'm going to do this, I got to give it 100. 
or I'm not going to do it at all. So there's a bit of a bit of self reflection there. And I decided mm. to do it, and it was, it was worth it was worthwhile. You know, I deferred from uni for six months, and that was like eight years ago. So um, I gave up footy, my footy career. I had pretty, I was pretty aspiring footy career. There's a lot of people that were upset that I stopped playing footy. Yeah. Um, AFL, but it, it worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah, Aussie rules footy. Yeah, Aussie rules. Yeah. It's yeah. um. Oh, we still have it up here, obviously, in New South Wales, but NRL is the big one up here. I'm a I'm a league fan now, anyway. So oh, you're a league fan? Fuck, yeah. that's rare. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people. No, one or the other. No, I had a bad, bad taste left in my mouth after um playing footy for nine years. Yeah, you know, it was just I was training as a 12, 13 year old, training four times a week, playing multiple games on a weekend, playing rep, representative and local as well. Yeah. Um, and then, then to be told, you know, being one of the best on the team, but then to be told that you're too short to play in the representative team. So yeah, that that sort of that sort of did it for me. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to fight then. You're not overly short. How tall are you? You're not overly short. Yeah, all the kids, all the kids that they picked over me, I'm taller than them all now. There you go. All these kids that sprouted early, they got like they were at like five ten, five eleven when they were, you know, fourteen. They they, they stopped growing. So now I'm taller than those guys, but uh, you know, I, I think I think it happened for the best. You know, I found what I really love doing. Mm. Um, you know, you, you have you have your moments during the sport, but it, it's never become a time where it's been stale for me. And I and I thought maybe I don't want to do it anymore. You know, I still have just as much love for it as I did when I was younger, if mm. not more now. Um, so yeah, definitely picked the right path. Man, and it's a tough sport. Like it's it's hard. Like for example, take a game of Aussie Rules or Rugby League, whatever it is. And when you've got two sides going up against each other, one one side's a betting favourite. And look, there's really – you know that the other team is probably not going to win. Like, because it's not – you know, they have to get everything right for 80 minutes, which probably isn't going to happen, right? When you talk about fighting, you're talking about, man, you could be ranked – you can be unranked and face a top five guy and get off a lucky shot. Yeah. Like, it, it happens. I've won some money. I've won some money on those on those fights, and it's like man Diaz and, and Connor the first fight. I remember I put some money on that. I was the only person that that I know of in my, my circle of mates that picked Diaz to win that fight, and I just knew stylistically he was going to give him some some problems, and that's yeah. what I mean. It just it things can change, man. And we've all seen it. The biggest moments we've seen Rousey and home, like those really big moments where it's just a massive upset. And that happens in the sport a lot. And that's because it's such a game. I think Joe Rogan says it best when he, when he says it's like a chess match with dire consequences. And that's exactly what it is. There's always a puncher's chance. And more yeah. so with MMA than any other combat sport. With, with boxing, you know, with boxing, you know, you know, again, just like a game of footy, you know who's going to win. The better boxer mm. is going to win the fight. Unless, you know, there is the exception of the odd, you know, lucky shot. But, you know, with boxing or with wrestling, there's normally a, a favourite who you know is going to win. With uh, with MMA, you know, you can be a much better striker, but, you know, they take you down the last 30 seconds and get a choke. It's just there's so many aspects to the sport. It's just, like you said, you know, you, you get a bum in off the street and you just like, you cannot be 100% of who's going to win. Mm, um, that's right. and that's what makes it exciting too. And that's, you, you have that you have that anxiety. You like, I, know, I don't know about any other fighters, um, but I know me. Like, there could be 20 seconds in the third round. I've, I've completely annihilated this guy for three rounds. And for those last 20 seconds, I've got, like, you know, I got, I got this anxiety about me where I, like, you know, I could still potentially lose. Yeah, of course. Uh, whereas, you know, in boxing matches, you don't, you don't have that. 
you just keep doing what you've been doing the whole fight. Yeah, and you know what? It, it's standing up on the feet's one thing, but you know what? I remember when I was, I think, 20, 19 or 20, and, mate, I always had an ego on me. Like, I think we all do at that age, right? We are a bit of an ego, and, man, I was just – I was in this gym scene, man. I was on – I was using gear back then. I was on some tests and some other other things, and I remember – Go walking into Gracie's Jiu Jitsu at Smeaton Grange here, where Whitaker trains. Mm, yeah. Whitaker's about 10 minutes from me, just down the road. And I remember Whitaker's coach, uh, Alex. You know Alex? I do, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember grappling with him. And at the time, I was on the Siggies as well. So I rocked up to training, reeking of cigarette, right? <laughs> with an ego. And uh, for some reason, he always liked me from the first time I met him. He always gave me a lot of time. And I remember one day we'll we'll um we're rolling and he was up. I, I was next up with him. And uh man at the time I said 19, 20, young, I was I was I was jacked. And I thought, and he said something about he's like, Oh, you're smoking. I said, No, no, I was scared to say yes, right? So <laughs> he's a serious dude. So I'm like, no, no, man, no, I'm not. And and we anyway, we started um we started rolling and I'll never forget what it's like having that dude on top of you. Like it was it was something I've never experienced before. I thought it was impossible. Like, how is this mm-hmm. guy? Who is half my size, but I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I was I was helpless. He could have killed me, no problem, if he wanted to at that point. But you know what? I left that I left that session like with an ego adjustment. It really did. Yeah. It changed. It changed the way I was. Even to this day, that's still such a such a moment in my life where I can guarantee you I've lived my life differently because of that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, well, you know what, you know what it's like, you walk around, you think you're the shit, you'll probably be different because you actually know how to fight, right? So but the standard 19, 20 year old just knows how to throw a few, a few big hits and then that's it. But you still walk around with that ego and man, that, that took it out of me completely. And I'll never forget that moment. And um, man, there's a big difference. And I said, no, there's no other sport like it where if you get on the ground with somebody who's at a high level in jujitsu, you got no chance, like zero. No chance. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, it's something exactly. that... Add something like striking or strike, strikes on the ground, it then changes the, the, the dynamic again. But oh, um, sure. Now, you're right about humbling. Because I, I, I ran a gym. I still own the gym. We closed it down before COVID. So I'll open it again you know, one day soon. But we had a gym and, man, egos, egos don't last. It either, <laughs> either the ego goes or the person's going to go. And if they're stubborn, then then we'll beat them out. We'll beat it out of them. And I've literally, I've, I've, I've had people like tapping in a triangle, and I just, you know, th- we had we had people come in and, you know, and and talk it up, and you can see that they're cocky, and they go with the young kids and the women, and they they they're really rough, and they hurt them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We yeah we sorted those guys out real quick, and they either they either drop their ego and they become good, um, or they, or they leave the gym for good. Yeah, and it, it, look, it must if you walk into a gym with an ego, with an ego, man. I know, I know dudes that would be sixty kilos soaking wet, like honestly, like it looked like a skeleton, right? Tiny, tiny, tiny dudes, and they would fuck me up easily, no problem. It's like if you go, I don't care how big you are, how jacked you are. If you go in and you 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 fight or you you spar with someone um, that is experienced. Your, as you said, your ego, will, either your ego will leave or you will leave because mm. it makes you realize that, hold on, I'm not shit. Like, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. And it, it's, mate, all young men should sign up, to be very honest. 
that they should influence something in schools. Hundred percent. You have you have a lot less bullies. You know, if you, if you're walking around the street knowing, if if if, if the, these big big you know lads and stuff that walk around the street thinking they're tough, if they if they only knew what uh, uh, someone who knows someone who's done two months of training could do to them, they they wouldn't be walking around like that. No, you know? definitely not. Um, whether whether it's not even jiu-jitsu, whether it's just boxing or kickboxing, whatever whatever it is. Um, you know, those are the people that have never experienced what you said, what what you you did. They've never been into a gym. They've never been beaten down by by someone who's unassuming. You know, you could mm. you could you could start something with that little skinny daddy's wearing glasses, walking around with his three kids, and that guy that guy could just break every one of your limbs within yes. two minutes, and you just don't know. So if you, and if you know that, like I like I know that. You know, I, I walk around and I notice little things like the cauliflower ears. Yeah, a lot of people still still today they just think I play rugby. Um, you know, if, if only people knew, if people saw that, that's like a, that means like, don't, like, don't mess with me. Yeah. Shut the fuck yeah. up. That's I've got a few mates who used to sit on the couch and just rub their ears to try and get cauliflower. They never actually trained. But, um, but yeah, if, if people in the knew what, what could happen to them in the street, that, that humble down real quick and it'd probably yeah, be better for everyone. For sure. You know, I, I was working, um, when I was trying to get older, I was now before I started working in mental health, I worked in night, I was a bouncer in clubs. So I used to work in, in the cross, uh, Cronulla, and um, it, it was a tough job, very tough. You're dealing with fuckwits, drunk, on drugs. And I started doing, um, I started doing boxing with, um, at, at Grange, boxing at Smeaton Grange. Anthony Redwood's the, the head coach there, or was the head coach there. He, uh, Danny, uh, Daniel Gill. Yeah. So that's, that's his gym. And um I remember I was training there and I was doing security and that's really why I wanted to do it mainly. So I started boxing and then uh, BJJ at Gracie's. And I remember Anthony was saying to me, listen, if you don't want to box professionally, don't box. Like it's not worth the shots to your head mm. unless you, you're taking it seriously. And that's when I, I did it for a few months and I stopped. I'm not going I'm not to compete. You know, it's just more self-defense. And, but it wasn't the ideal thing, right? If you're talking work at a club, boxing probably isn't the best thing to learn. So that's when I started Krav Maga. So you familiar with mm. Krav Maga? I've never, I've never taken part in any of it, but I, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I did that for a few years, I mean, I loved it. It was practical for what I was doing, and it's something that I'll have with me forever now. So and it's it's really ideal. I think all law enforcement, security should should all be doing that. Um, it's yeah. the Israeli Defense Force hand to hand combat yeah, regime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, that was good for me for what I needed it for, but. Um, yeah, man. I think a lot of people would benefit from school. I mean, there's there's room for it in in schools. Like they they can people, do it. Yeah, people. Um, people always will degrade certain martial arts. Yeah, obviously, there's some that are that is going to get people hurt. But um, but parents ask me, they say, oh, you know, oh, karate's karate's this and that and it's shit and uh, what should I get my kids into? And I said, like, even my kids, being a I mean, a UFC fighter, my, my, the first martial arts that my, my little ones will take part in will, will probably be karate, to be honest. First of all, it's better to know something than nothing. Yeah. Um, all martial arts has its place. I mean, we've seen, we've seen that with guys like Leota Machida, mm. um, you know, Ben Henderson and Anthony, Anthony Pettis. You know, they're karate guys and they did well with it. Um, but knowing, just, just get out and just do something. doesn't matter what it is. Don't pick and choose and think, you know, karate's crap or Krav Maga's this or jiu-jitsu. You know, it's only good for one-on-one. Just just get out, um, you know, get out and learn something. That's that's what I tell everyone, and especially mm-hmm. for kids. 
uh, especially for law enforcement. So, so we will eventually get something going here. But um, you know, even with we, we do a little bit with the fire brigade with the FRB down here in in, in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So th- those guys, you'd be surprised. Those guys probably get into more scuffles and have to throw people down more than police do. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got mates that tell me stories, and there's um there's a lot of a lot of incidences. You know, there's a lot a lot of things like uh you know grow houses and, and drug users. You know, they burn their house down. They're trying to jump. They're trying to run back into a burning house, and they got to restrain them. And then uh, you hear it a lot, and especially and even with paramedics too. So. So we're trying to instill that. In America, they've done a good job of it. It's this culture around, you know, I mean, if you're an office worker, you go and do jiu-jitsu. Like, you're probably just a weekend warrior doing it for fun. But, you know, I've got mates and family members in law enforcement and, you know, in, in you know, they paramedics and firefighters. And I said, you guys, not only just, just the physical capability of, you know, just getting your strength up, you know, because a lot of it is physical work. But I said, being able to defend yourself. I said, there, there are instances where, firefighters have to defend themselves and paramedics you know we hear about paramedics getting abused all the time mm. and that should be your motivation to train i said it's it's you're not i said you're training because it's fun but you're also training because your occupation too and at the end of the day it could could very much very well save your life in one of those instances um so sometimes i go in you know because i'm um sometimes i go into training with the mentality like i'm just going to go and do especially out, outside of a fight camp i'll go and train jiu-jitsu with the mindset of self-defense. So I'll have, you know, especially the, the Gracie lineage is very self-defense orientated. So I'll try and use their techniques and I'll pretend, you know, just in my mind, if someone's on top, I'll pretend they've got like a weapon in their hand. So I'll try and isolate that hand and then I'll try and do, and it's just, it's just sort of, it, it keep, keeps you, it makes training interesting, you yeah. know, stops training from your style. And then you're also training for a reason. Like what better reason to train than for your, for your health and safety and for your work? So we're trying to get something down here in Melbourne where it's like a first responder, um, you know, all free first responders. Maybe we do it out of one gym or do it out of multiple gyms that want to get in on it. But first responders can come and train for free. Um, yeah, and I think it'll be a good program. And like I said, the US have done a really good job. It's a whole culture around just being prepared. It's preparedness is what it is. Yeah. So we're trying to get something like that in Australia and, and uh, hopefully it kicks off. Yeah, well, it needs to. It'd be. Man, I used to work um, in the mental health units in the hospitals, and I know exactly what it's like for for nurses and and all of those involved. Man, it's tough. They cop it a lot, especially with drug uh, patients that are coming off drugs or even alcohol. It's mm. um, man, they 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 do they cop it, and it's something that they would benefit from. But back to the kids, you know what? It's it's not just the self defense, but it's the discipline. The discipline will really help kids. I feel like. Looking at the teenagers now compared to when I was a teenager, we weren't the best, but we still had a bit of respect for others. Yeah. A lot of kids these days, man, they have, I've got a 12 year old son and um, he's got respect because I make sure he has respect. But a few yeah. of his friends, man, like there's just no respect there. Like you used to be going around to your mate's place, like you'd be very respectful of, of the parents, right? Always. The kids these days, man, they're just not. They, they, you know, they think that they're God's gift and, you know, they do what they want and that's a lack of discipline. And that's what martial arts does. If you get kids in the martial arts at the right age, the primary school is a good age to start kids in martial arts and, and things like karate is great for discipline. Um, man, it will that change the generation. That I'll get my kids. First of all, karate is very easy to comprehend for kids. Mm. Jiu-jitsu is very complex. 
you know, like there are, there are some little prodigies that can pick it up, but majority, 99% of little kids that do jiu-jitsu, they're, just, they're not taking it on board. You know, they're mm. playing games and doing a bit of coordination. But I think in terms of coordination and discipline and basic self-defense skills, karate is, is, is very good. Um, I, even myself, I go to a gym and do like kyokushin karate as part of my training. You know, as often as I can get in to do it, I'll go and do it. Um, so I think, I think it can definitely be effective. But also... Speaking of discipline, discipline to not to not fight in the first place. Yeah. But for me, I, I in primary school and the first two years of high school, I'd have two two detentions a week, probably at least one one a week minimum. Um, normally, just from giving bullies a hiding. If you look at my group of friends, even my friends that are still my friends today, it's just the biggest motley crew of just like anime nerds and just people from different different ethnicities and just um you know i i just i never got expelled from a school but i'd no shit have like two detentions every week and they couldn't really do much you know i'd get i'd get detention for fighting but i was defending someone and beating up a bully um but i had the discipline to not hurt people and that that's for kids especially for kids they need to know you know would you rather your kid get into a fight and know how to correctly choke someone or would you rather them just grab their neck and just squeeze and hold it for however long not understanding and the same with police i mean we've seen it like you know i won't get into it but we've seen it you know in the last couple mm. of years you know would you they can say you know you, you're, you're training you, you know a lot of people spin it in the way are you tra- are you be training police to hurt people or you'll be training police to be fighters it's like well no would you rather because police are going to do what they do anyway yeah. A firefighter is going to do what they have to do anyway. If they've got to throw someone to the ground, they, that's what they're going to do. Would mm. you rather them throw someone to the ground, smash their head against the floor, which we've seen, again, we've seen recently in the train mm. station video. Um, so would you rather that happen or potentially break someone's arm or would you rather have someone who knows how to restrain someone properly, who knows how to, without breaking their limbs or damaging someone, put them on the floor and restrain them properly? Same with kids. You know, we, I'd rather I'd rather my kids, you know, instead of throwing big haymakers, potentially having some kid fall and hit his head on the floor. I'd rather my kids be able to take someone down, restrain them without having to throw a strike, and do it all safely. And that comes down to discipline as well. The discipline mm. to not, you know, pick up a rock and just hit someone over the head with it. Yeah. Um, I just I just think I just think it needs to be implemented at a large scale somehow, whether it's schools or some sort of government grants, just to get you know. Just even just to get people in once a month with it, you know, parent, parent and parents and kids getting together and they train together, or families or women's classes. There needs to be some sort of grants to get people in because, as you said, you know, people's ethics and, and morality is just going downhill at like at a rate that I, I can't even comprehend. Like these 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 kids, like their parents seem respectful. Yeah. So you think that would be imp- implemented into their kids? Um, and I always I always thought it was. You know, and I, I'm happy to admit, you know, my mindset changes over the years as I as I learn and I grow. And I always thought your your kids are a complete reflection of you. Um, but it's not the case. Mm, no, it's not. I think it's I think it's more to do with the culture. You know what these kids are watching. Um, you know the, the culture of all like you know pop culture. You know, mm. What's in the media? I think you can you can instill as much. You know, to an extent, the parent instilling discipline will help. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, you, they're only at home with you. You see them for what, maybe two hours in the morning and a couple of hours yeah. a night. You know, they're at school and they're at other places, you know, majority of their life. Yeah. So I definitely think that has a big impact. So, 
Yeah, but, you know what it is, man. Definitely. You know what it is? It's hard to control what they do and say. Like growing up, and you'd be, how old are you? 27, 28? I'm 27 now. Yeah, I'm get, fucking getting old. Oh, well, I'm, tw- I'm 30 this yeah, year. I'm Tell me about it. Then. It's, um, it's scary, man. No, it happens. <laughs> it happens very quickly as well. It does. But, it does. You know what? So, when I was, it'd be the same with you growing up. Like, I remember when I was, I think, in year six, year five, year six, what's that, like 11, 12 years old? My friend gave me an M&M CD. It was a Without Me, the single. Mm, mm. And I used to have, you know, remember the old Walkmans? It used to fucking just try and yeah. squeeze them in your pocket. So I had one yeah. of those. And I remember my dad found it one day and my dad listened to it. And my dad's like, oh, my dad listens to Elvis and the Beatles. Like, this fucking terrified. He's like, what the fuck's this, right? And um, I remember he snapped the CD. Um, and that was it for me. I, I couldn't get it again, right? It wasn't easy back then. You have to go and physically buy it or get someone who could burn it on a CD or whatever it was. Um, and I, I was only speaking about this on a podcast a few weeks ago. And the same thing with porn. Like porn was something that when we were teenagers, we all got it, but it wasn't easy. It was like you yeah. had to either, you know, get it from a friend's dad or your own dad or whatever. Like you couldn't just get it on your phone in two seconds. Now, yeah. kids, it's scary to think that. Like you don't think that 12-year-old boys are looking up porn? Of course they are. So oh, there's, there's, no, there's no way to there's no way to monitor that. I mean, I've I mean, I've I've so I've got a daughter who's three years old, mm. and so so not YouTube. This is kids YouTube. So this is YouTube yep. specifically for kids. Yep. And she was watching, uh, I think it was Mickey Mouse. So it starts as a proper Mickey Mouse cartoon. Yeah. Then it goes to a grown man playing with Mickey Mouse toys, and he's he's swearing like he's saying like you know fuck you and this and that. In, this is kids' YouTube. And there was another instance where my mate's misses. There was, again, it starts as Peppa Pig. And then it goes to some, some adult playing with the toys and he's making Peppa Pig drown her little brother in a bath. What the fuck? Oh, that's that's twisted. Kids' YouTube. Yeah. But, man, I don't know. Like I, And they've uploaded know, that because I know what I... The amount of, but that's the thing, the amount of monitoring you can't upload something like that to Facebook. So why are they letting it get through? And that makes, you know, like I'm I'm, a, I'm the same mindset of you. Like there's, there's a big narrative and they want people to be a certain way. And you know, I look at it that way, but it's just impossible to, to monitor your kids 24-7 when they're watching. It's it's scary. Like I know when I upload clips, uh, when I upload clips to YouTube, it, it says, is this clip made specifically for kids? And if I hit yes, this other box pops up. And it's because it, it distributes it on YouTube Kids, which is what you're talking about, which has got its yeah, own app yeah. and everything like that. Mm. And on and I always click no, obviously, because I think all these aren't for kids. But so that sick fuck who have made those videos must be deliberately doing that. You'd have to, otherwise, it wouldn't populate on the kids. Yeah, and they obviously and they must be watching what's on there. No, I'd, well, well when they talk about the amount of content on YouTube, it'd take you 23 million years to watch every single. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. It's going to be impossible for them to catch every single thing that goes on there, and that's it's it's scary. Well, they catch um, everything. They, I, they catch everything I put up. If I put up a post that says, "Get outside, get some vitamin D," fuck that flags on there in about thirty <laughs> seconds. They <laughs> say so that no. <laughs> well, you know, you know, they don't want you to be healthy and fit. No, that's if we're sure. healthy and fit, they lose money. So they, you know, you go against the narrative, and that's when I'll get you. Bro, I'm telling you, man, we live in a world now that's so crazy that it concerns me of, of what the kids are going to grow up watching and what's what's not only normalized but promoted like promoted like 
there was, I'm not joking, about a year ago, I was on Twitter because I fuck around on Twitter a bit. Twitter's good fun, right? So mm. I was on there going through some things and there's a page that I follow. I can't what it's called. Oh, there's a few of them. There's Clown World and there's Libs of TikTok, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and have you seen them? Th- those? No, I haven't. No, oh, I can imagine that. No. Man. Oh. Anyway, so it was an account like that. And there was this post where they were celebrating um, like women's month empowerment or whatever it was. And the song they used to promote that was WAP. You know WAP? Yeah. Right? I'm thinking, what in the fuck is that? Like, I don't want my daughters growing up thinking that's what you should be. Yeah. Like that, that, that to me is twisted. It's sick. And yes, okay, she makes money and it makes money. And it, it's, it's, but that's not what the world's about. Like, you have to, what they're trying to normalize and to push in front of everybody is very concerning. And, but you got a daughter, you know what it's like, but it's terrifying as it is. It's, yeah, it's just trying to, it's trying to break down the family unit. You know what I mean? Definitely. And it makes it, yeah, that's what it's about. Um, I was at I was at I was at a martial arts gym and they were playing that that WAP song and there's an adult class and I was, even even during the adult class I was like what they, you know what I mean it's no it's supposed to be a family environment gym and I, I thought that even that was was inappropriate to be playing that in, yeah. in an adult class and you know and there's mums there like, grabbing their boxing bags fucking twerking they- on the boxing bags and shit and I was just like man oh. I couldn't I couldn't believe it I'm, I'm very like I said I'm I'm, I'm I consider myself some somewhat of a recluse, so I don't, I don't get on and listen to these. Stuff. You know, someone will mention that I, I didn't know about that WAP song until like a few weeks ago. Like I'm very, very oblivious to all that pop culture because I don't, I don't follow any of it. Um, so that's why it doesn't affect me. But man, yeah, it's it is concerning. But that's why I've, I mean, I've bought five acres out out in a rural area. I'm getting the kids on a on a farm with animals, and that's the best way to do it. That way. I mean, the there's a lot. One. There's a lot of that at the moment. There's a lot of people looking to do that. There's a lot of people that have shipped out regional. Um, I can see. I can see what you know. What the governments and what you know, I'll call them elites. You know what what their 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 goal is for the future. But I think um, I think people people are catching on, and people. I th- I, th- I see the future being being a lot simpler than what people think. You know, they think it's going to be flying cars and this and that. First of all. Pe- People can't even park their fucking car at Coles. Yeah, you, think they're gonna give you, you think they're going to give you flying cars? You're kidding yourself. Oh, but I think, I think people get back to like sustainable living. I think that's the future, to be honest. And I think you know, and that's going to be the kids to be going up that way. Um, and we got we got five acres, and every single square foot of that block is just going to be used to grow fruit and veg. And we're just going to slap boxes together and just take them to friends and family and anyone who wants it. Um, and yeah, and you know, have sheep and animals for the kids to play with and i think that's i think that's uh, a lot of people are gonna go that way as well yeah man it's look it, it has to happen and that's a credit to you for for seeing what's going on and making the right decisions now while you can to i mean that's that's the way you have to be i mean it, it's it's the city life for me man you look at the 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 new estates going up in sydney they are anyway every few months is a brand new suburb what the fuck's that it's a new suburb and it's all the same man it's just houses on top of each other 400 square meters tiny blocks big houses but literally you could hear you could probably you could hear your neighbors taking a shit next door or is that close together and man that doesn't interest me in the slightest and back to what we were talking about before it's like they're they're force feeding this content to kids like for example this show that i do um, 
I just have conversations like we're having now. Um, nothing extreme, nothing that would hurt or harm anybody. Um, it's all positive and just trying to, you know, I talk to interesting people and, and hopefully well, I learn something. So I hope that the listeners learn something. But man, I battle censorship on a daily basis, especially yeah. on Spotify is bad for it. They constantly push my show out back in again. They remove it from trending, all sorts of shit. Oh, I've, I've been demonetized on Instagram. I've, I, I, I get, I must get 50 to 100 followers every single day that comes up my notifications. And my, the number of my followers has not gone up in the last four months. So I don't know what's going on there, but there's my, my, my Instagram account's completely being just shut down. They, they remove them. They remove your followers. I've had that happen and many now, people have all the, stuff, all the stuff I share is now, you know, as people have said, has now become fact in mainstream media. So am I gonna, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for my compensation. You know, all these yeah. companies that have, that have, you know, been uh, being censored and shut down and demonetized, are they going to get compensated for sharing what is now fact? Yeah. You know, like, are you going to get compensated for all the, all the money that you've lost? You know, when, when you look back at it, all you were sharing was what the mainstream is now saying is fact. That's right. You know what I mean? Um, and that's the that crazy thing. Instagram anyway, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't make money from Instagram itself, but obviously... Uh, that that's important for me. Um, having you know lost my job last year, which I was working in in a in a management position for a mental health organisation, um, that's just not easy to just get back into that sort of work. Um, so it has been for me the podcast and and my social media accounts has been very important for me. And when they start fucking with that and censoring it and limiting reach and engagement, all these things, it, it definitely cost me money. And it's like, well, hold on, what I said. I mean, it's not me saying it. That's the crazy part. I don't just get on a show and rant and make up all these stories. I speak to experts in the field who then they share that and I pass that on. That's all I do. It's like, well, yeah. It's like, well, why are you censoring that? And now it's factual. Well, where's my fucking apology from from you destroying me for the last six months? Like we now know that's true. And, but yet, that's considered dangerous information, right? In their words, dangerous information. Me, me telling you to go outside and get some vitamin D, make sure you eat right, and, and that's dangerous, according to them, as dangerous information. But, like, the songs that get promoted and pushed to the top of the charts and everywhere talk about, like, you know, the way they talk about women and using women and, and using drugs like Xanax and all this shit as, like, the number one songs in the world. You're like, how the fuck are you pushing that? But then I'm a problem. Yeah. So how's that work? Yeah. I agree. It's backwards, completely backwards. Well, there was uh, there was a Sesame Street episode, and they had a guest on there. It was uh, oh, so it was Elmo's talk show, and their guest on there was <laughs> Elmo's got his talk show. That's funny. Yeah, and their guest was Little Nas X. I mean, we, you what know, Little he? Nas X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old town road he was, guy. He yeah, was a guest, he was a guest on a Sesame Street Elmo's talk show. And we we know what he's you know what his videos and stuff uh, promote. <laughs> it's just they're fucking very unusual. I remember I watched one not by I just it was on when I was walking past it. And, you can um, say you can say if you like watching them, it's it's alright. Won't judge. Them. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, I heard enough of that old town road song to to last me a lifetime. But <laughs> no, bro, it, it, it's just it. But that's just not him. But it's, it's a lot of the mainstream musicians, and it, it's a shame, you know that that we need a huge change. There needs to be a huge culture change because the people that are getting the the fame and 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 the contracts, the TV show, Abby Chatfield, I've spoken about her for months. 
and I'll, I'll always speak about that because it's wrong. And I don't, you know, it's it's the way that these people are. It's like, I don't want a world where my kids grow up and think that she's someone to be idolized. Mm. I don't want that. And that's just my opinion though. You know, she's doing her thing fine. It's fantastic. But ultimately the good people who, who I would like my kids to look up to, they're the ones that, like Candace Owens, for example, uh, she's incredible. Yeah. You know, but she, again, she cops the same thing. And the minute you start speaking about, well, this conversation we've just had in the last 10 minutes would be considered, what do they call it? Far right. So they call it? Probably. Yeah. The fuck is it? What does that even mean? Is that not, aren't we talking normal? Well, we just want shit to be normal. Right? It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they label it. I'm talking, so about, I'm talking about, I want to move out into a farm and, and live sustainably so my kids can grow out in the, live out in the fresh air. And that's yeah. that's an extremist. That's an extremist view now. Well, a conspiracy theorist. He he believes in the flat Earth. Well, that's what they carry on like. Yeah. It, yeah, it's insane. But it's the way the world is at the moment. And I think there has been a shift in the last probably last three months. Um, Joe Rogan's podcast did a huge. That was a huge part of it. Getting the two mm. doctors on there and it caused a shitstorm. And I feel sorry for the man because he's been they're going after him um, relentlessly at the moment. Yeah. Um. It's you know the people that actually are doing the right things and trying to, I guess, bring awareness. You just get condemned and, and labelled. Yeah, and that's how they get. Away with I'm just trying to live, live my life the way I want to live it, and that's yeah. you know, and, and and really, that's 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 like, I guess that's not anymore. But that was the you know sort of the liberal left wing way of of viewing the world. You know, let people just live and let live. Yeah, just let people right. do what they want. You know, if and um. Yeah, it's just everything's just flipped around now. So I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, though. I've, you know, that's I've all never, you can do. I've always, I've always had, yeah, I mean, I've I've got I've got a, I've got a, you know, to an extent, I've got a filter. You know what I mean? I'm not going to. I don't put anyone down. I've never, um, you know, bullied anyone. You know, I just if I see something that I I believe in, I'll share it. Yeah, and that's how you should be, and it's a credit to you for doing that. As I said before, we started recording. You you do share some things from time to time, and um. But it takes it takes courage in saying that not not sharing it, but it's knowing what could come from that because we've seen it happen with with people and the fact that you're an athlete um, who fights for a huge the biggest MMA promotion in the world um, and you're speaking your mind. It's a credit to you for doing that. And if more people did that, um, I feel like because a lot of people don't agree with it. That's a thing, but they just yeah. don't talk about it. But that could be the thing that needs to happen. Well, yeah, I'll I'll speak to someone who's um. His uncle's apparently a you know big big time you know psychologist, and he was saying that that just just share, sharing what we've been sharing is what's going to make the biggest impact. Because even if you know even if someone doesn't agree with it, it's in the back of their mind now. Yeah, um, that's the best way. It's just it's just it's not even it's not it's not that I'm sharing it to say you need to think the way I'm thinking. It's just mm. sharing it, saying you know have an open mind. Um, yeah. I'll always say to people, no matter what it is, like <laughs> back to flat earth, you know what I mean? People, mm. if someone asks me, I'll say, I'll say, take it how you want, but I don't know. I haven't been up there myself and had a look at it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. Um, even when it comes, even when it comes to, to all, you know, all the, the stuff over the last two years, you know, I've just got my, my opinion, um, mm. what I think is the best for me. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not forcing anyone else to do that. Hmm. I've got an open mind about it. If 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 the day comes, and this is something that's very dangerous too that I've noticed is 
more now than ever, people people can't be humble and 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 eat their words and admit they're wrong. They, they will die on their sword, even they they know they know that they're wrong. And there's a lot of people now they know that they're wrong, but they oh, they, they not admit that they're wrong and they will, will die on their sword. Yeah, or they just um, move on like they like it never happened. Yeah, I'll, I'm the, I'll I'll be the first to admit. I'll be like you know, hey, I'm wrong. I should you know, I was wrong. I'll admit it, and and I'll learn and grow from there. It's how it's how it's how it's what you're supposed to do. You know, I think maybe being in martial arts, I think martial artists have that that view because you know like you get humbled very quick if you're wrong in martial arts, yeah. and you have to adapt and change with the times. And if you don't, you get left behind. Um, so I think I think there's a lot of martial artists. I think like you said, a lot of them are on the same wavelength as I am. Um, but they're probably just they're probably too smart to be uh, vocal on on social media. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what? It's again, you have to think. Always try to think what would happen, you know, in two years from now, and always think that inevitably things will have to change. It can't keep heading down this course, and if it does, well, then the majority of people are going to start going. They're going to start going. Listen, I don't want that. What's going on? They're going to start pushing back. Um, and I feel like that will be the time where people will start switching off the mainstream media because make, make no mistakes about it. That's the biggest problem is the mainstream media, for sure, the yeah. biggest problem that we've got. And I feel like it's when that mindset shifts, it'll be, it'll be very interesting, but I've no doubt that when it does shift, it'll happen very quickly and it, it's going to hopefully slow things down a little bit and hopefully put things in reverse because the past the path we're heading down at the moment man is not good for anybody it really isn't no no well i, I mean I've, I've been um i don't like using the term but i guess i've been woke woke to the um mainstream media for this is this is not something that i've just come across in the last couple of years with everything that's going on this is something that how old was i fucking i was 19 so i was 19 uh just to open up my gym i was in the ufc we're trying to get the the octagon legal in, in Melbourne. It wasn't legal. Yes. Yep. So the first time I ever fought in the octagon was in the UFC. Every fight before that, I fought in, the, in a boxing ring. Yep. So this journalist from the age, I think, um, he, he contacts me. He's like, I want to do a good story on the UFC coming out and how good it's going to be for you know, yada, yada, yada. Yep. So I said, yeah, come to my gym. He comes to my gym. You know, He's my best mate for the day. I take him to a restu- restaurant, shout him lunch. Back to the gym, we're taking photos. Um, six hours worth of, of, of interviewing and photos and talking. Yeah. And then the uh, this, this biggest dog shit article comes out. None of the photos that we used um, that we took that day just misquoted everything I said. Um, and it was completely against having the UFC and the Octagon League in Melbourne. And it just... It made me look like an idiot for starters, and um, and yeah, it's just it was just talking about how brutal a sport is. It's human cockfighting, everything to degrading women for being ring girls, and yeah. uh, and my my face was the my face, you know, a face of me looking angry and me covered in blood in, in in an old fight. That was the that was the the big picture on the article as well. So that was that oh. was my that was my opening to that. And since that day, I mean, you you burned me once. That's it. Yeah. Um, and then, and uh, you know, I'm smart enough to put all media under the same banner. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it's like when it comes to politicians, this politician has done the wrong thing, but, but it's just him alone. 
it's not everyone, you know, the the politician, the political party that I support are good. It's like, no, they're all the same. Yeah, they're all the same. They're all the same. They're all they're all cut from the same cloth. So I um, yeah, and that was that what that that's that's almost ten years ago now. So that's how long I've I've just been switched off that. They're um, fucking. They're brutal. I'm telling you now. They will. Uh, they're a unique group of people. Like to be a journalist for one of those publications, like you have to be. You have to, and you got to be a bit fucked. In. Like you can't, you can't be a person with compassion, empathy, and and then do a job like that. You can't, unless it suits them. Unless it suits them, but even then, which, like, is, which oh, is relevant, have... which is relevant right now. Yeah, that's right. Saying, so. But we're we're seeing that on a huge scale now. But people, the two. But it's funny because prior to this pandemic, if you asked anybody what what listen, what two groups of people, um, are, you know, the most untrustworthy on the planet. Every, most people would say the media and politicians, right? And now, yeah. but now it's like they what they say is gospel. Uh, they go along with everything. It's like you forget. Like look at history. Like do you forget? Like your short term memory, you can't remember what's happened. Like it's just people seem to really switch off from that. Yeah. And it's I don't know. It's it's, it's a form of control, I guess, where they always like, brainwash people, uh, where they can just manipulate them um, as easy. Oh, We've seen that. These governments, there's there's absolutely no way they're going to leave anything to chance. No, that's, that's it. I mean, running a business, running a country is a business. Yeah, it's mm. it makes money. Yeah. Um, you've got this World Economic Forum, mm. whose whose mission statement is to, you know, get the cooperation of public private corporations. Mm. Um, and they sit around a big table and they figure out the best way to make money. What yeah, that's and right. you know by any means, and um, I was saying to someone, I said, "Man, watch, watch, uh, watch." Uh, this is this is the the conspiracy Jake coming out, but watch 007 Spectre. I mean, you got these. Seen it. You know, watch it. Watch the watch the near the start. There, there's these big people from all different countries sitting around a big table, yeah. and they're discussing, you know, what stocks that they want to drop, um, how to make money off that, you know, what building do they have to blow up to drop that stock? It's just it's. It's like they're showing you right there in your face, and um, that's that's exactly how I view the like the World Economic Forum. That's what it is, and, and uh, they say that openly, like they say that on their website. That Justin Justin Trudeau is a World Economic uh, Prodigy. That's right, and he was he was put in to penetrate the cabinet. It's Klaus Schwab says this. He says yeah. this. Yeah. If, you, if if I repeat it, I'm a conspiracy theorist, but he has said this on video, and you can search it up and see it yourself. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's where the, that's where people need to snap out of that mindset of that anything that seems like it's anti-government is conspiracy. No, it's not. Like do, people actually think the government care about them. That's what that's what get. That's the real conspiracy. The fact yeah. that these people believe the government gives a fuck about them and doesn't would never do that to them. No, they have and they will do it and they'll continue to do it. But you know, I had a I watched a video last night on YouTube. It was a, a King's I think King's Politics is the name of the the show. And he spoke to a professor from oh, university and it really opened my eyes up um, as to what's happening in the Ukraine. So mm. because I didn't really know much about it. And I don't like talking about shit unless I know what I'm talking about. Let's be honest. Otherwise you look a dickhead. So I was like, well, I want, I want to get up to speed. And I'd heard the media's version of what was happening. And I thought this person seems to be contradicting that. And if the last two years has taught me anything is to listen to all sides. So mm. I listened to this professor, and he was a 70-year-old bloke. He's very knowledgeable, um, 
mate. He's got accolades left, right, and center. Very well respected. And he was speaking about it. And the story is, so basically what he was saying was that in, in 2008, NATO wanted made an announcement they wanted Ukraine to, be, to become a member. And Russia said, no fucking way, you're not going to do that. We won't let that happen. Mm. Anyway, it went quiet. Then in 2014, the US and the UK started sending weapons to the Ukraine and started teaching them how to, their military how to fight. And then Turkey started sending drones. This is in the last few years. Turkey started sending drones over to the Ukraine for them to use. And Russia made it very clear that they don't want the Ukraine a part of NATO for obvious reasons, right? Mm. Um, and they, they pushed it. They, they were consistent with it, uh, persistent with it. And then even last year, they were sending bombers circling Russia, going right up to their ships, going up to the Russian coast and then backing away. The UK and the US were doing that. So mm. Russia's extremely paranoid and concerned. Yeah. And when he was saying all this, he was saying, listen, yes, it's tragic what's happening and it should be happening, but you can't really just blame Russia solely. Like, it's not just them. Like, they've been yeah. provoked. And he said, listen, he said, think about this. If North Korea and China had an, had an alliance and they wanted to, for example, Mexico, right, which is obviously right on the border of, of the US, border country, if they wanted them to Mexico to become a member of their alliance, what do you think the US would do? Do you think the US would accept that? Of course not. They're not going to have their yeah. enemy at their doorstep. Mm. And that's what he was saying. He was like, there's a lot more to this, but that's pretty much the, in summary, what's happened. Yeah. yeah. I, I, to me, I don't know. If, I, there was no buildup. It just came out of nowhere. And uh, I'm the same as you, man. I have no idea what's going on or the motivations behind it. All I know is that, is that these things don't just happen. No, of course um, not. You know, there, is, there is a plot that, that, certain people want to happen and that's this this is part of it and that's it and at the end of the day in, uh, civilians are the ones who are who are getting killed innocent people are the ones who are that's suffering right. and and e even with this call man like these these countries that have all these capabilities and these weapon systems and soldiers but you're putting out a call for volunteers potentially civilians with no formal military training to go over and fight it's yeah. um and why? Because because Ukraine didn't didn't want to sign up to NATO, like you know what I mean. Um, well, they did. That's the, that was, that was yeah. the problem. So they did want to sign up, and that's where Russia said, "Well, no, we're not going to have." Yeah, well, like, yeah. I mean, but because of that, you know, the, the, all these countries aren't going to send their own troops. They're going to let civilians go. They've opened up the gates for 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 civilians to go and get thrown a rifle and go and you know pro pro probably die over there. Oh, um, definitely, you'd think that. Yeah, they're, they're arming. Just everyday residents of the Ukraine just going, here, here's a assault rifle, go and protect. It's like, well, yeah. fuck, this guy's just going to get killed. I think but that's, yeah, I think that's wrong. It is very wrong. And that's the problem with if, war. Um, yeah, I mean, if, 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 if fucking Scott Morrison jumped on the back of a horse with, 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 a, with, a, with a rifle, and I'd, I'd follow him straight away. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that, you know, because at the end of the day, no matter what what conflict it is, it's the innocent civilians are the ones who are gonna who are gonna suffer. Yeah, and ultimately, we have nothing to do with any of it. Like that's been consistent throughout history. The wars, the ones, the people who suffer, the innocent civilians and the children. Like that's one thing I've been mean, seeing that 
when you hear the children are dying in war, you think, fuck, what for? Like, really? Like, I know, I know they probably don't intentionally kill the children. It's probably just collateral as to what they're trying to achieve because you have to be a special kind of fucked up to want to hurt children. But, mm. I mean, it's just so unnecessary, man. Like, look how advanced we are as a, as a species. Like, we can do – we can fucking send ships to the moon. Like, we, we can do – Elon Musk is about to move to Mars, right? Mm. And yet we still have the need for these, for these wars, which, like, man, can't you sort it out another way? Like, surely, is like a phone call – something yeah. but it just seems the so unnecessary the politicians aren't the ones who are, who are gloving up and duking it out yeah that's that's so right I don't, like, I don't like you so i'm going to send all these all these innocent people to go and fight on my behalf it's um you know I, i'm in the army reserves yeah but i i didn't join the defense force i joined the defense force to defend australian citizens if yeah. if the time comes and the need be i didn't i didn't join to, to defend a government or fight for a government. I think I think majority of people in defence force will agree. Um, yeah. I, I joined up that if the day comes where Australian lives are in danger, um, then I can help out in whatever way I'm going to help out. Um, yeah. But yeah, to to yeah. So well, I think I a lot of us would. I think a lot of us would, man. Well, let's be honest. If if 100%. they rocked at our doorstep and more, you know, I'm pretty sure most men well. Fuck who knows now, but uh, I'd like to think yeah. that thirty years ago, man, maybe. Yeah, well, I think uh, if there was a mandatory conscription, I think. Um, fuck, can you imagine? I think I think you'd have millions of people going to prison. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I seen a funny meme the other day. Someone shared it, and um, on Twitter, sort of mean Twitter's got some of this shit on there. It was Russian tank, and it was like just the, like a normal Russian tank, right? Then I had the US tank, and it was like pink, and I had they them. On the side, on the side of the tank, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck, man!" It shows you priorities, but like when when this shit happens and and like calamities arrive, like at the moment, like are you really prepared for that, or have you been focusing yeah. on other shit that you know probably isn't of utmost importance? And yeah. that's what you're probably going to see now. Is that I'd like I'd be interested to see if they do that if they do a draft, what it would be like, what the numbers would be like. Because I'd like look, I definitely imagine that men today aren't like they were 30 years ago. I don't think, yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, I don't, I don't think it would get to that. Um, I hope it doesn't get to that. You know, there's, oh, there's, that's the last thing anyone needs, man. It, it, that'd be fucking yeah. tragic. Yeah, I mean, I'm of the mindset it's good to be prepared. But you know, like for anyone, anyone, I think anyone who's who's like a warmonger and they're trying to, yeah, and they're, and they're hoping something kicks off and they get excited by it, they've probably never, they've probably never been been, been to a war zone in their life. I've never served in the military or anything like that. You know, it, it, a lot of veterans, most majority of veterans will tell you, they'll say, don't, yeah, you shouldn't be, shouldn't be having your fingers crossed for a conflict to kick off. Um, no. Yeah, duty. You can't just hit the restart button and, and then respawn. Yeah, that's uh, right. And not just that, the collateral is, the collateral is probably the worst part about it. Mm. You know, there's, there's newborn babies in bunkers in, uh, in Ukraine on oxygen because they're not safe in the hospitals. That's, mm. um, that's probably the hardest thing to watch. Oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. And that's, war's not good for anybody. Um, but you know what? Unfortunately, for some reason, there's these people out there that call for it, who get excited over the, the potential of a war. And it's like, you're only saying that because you don't know what it's like. If you knew what it was like, yeah, you wouldn't be saying shit. Oh, I don't know what it's like. I've never been. I've never lived through a war. But you can imagine. Like, it, that's not fun for anybody. Not, not, not. You, you can't compare the two, but 
it'd be like someone saying they can they could jump in and probably give Kamara Usman a good crack in the octagon. These guys probably never stepped foot in a gym and never done a single round in their life. Um, yeah. Again, like, you can't really compare, them, but it's, it is it is similar. Yeah. You know, they haven't been in there. They haven't been punched in the face. They haven't seen the injuries or the damage you can get. They haven't seen, you know, like I'm, you know, I've probably got, you know, injuries that are going to pop up in 20 years' time from just the last 15 years of just getting, you know, beaten down every single day. Um, mm. Yeah. So there's no, there's no perspective there for them to, to understand what it's really like. Apart no. from video games, which, you know, which is right. taken, which, which these video games, um, Again, again, going back to a lot from YouTube, these video games it t- it's taken away, it's taken away people's um, like mo- like morals, and it has desensitised people to, to death. Yeah, it has. You know, I mean, especially like I've man, I've I've um, man, I've had instances where like you know I was driving someone, someone's had a seizure and hit their head. You know, they got blood coming out of their head, and this chick stopped breathing altogether, gone blue, and. Luckily, I've, I've done first aid training for my gym and other things. So I know what to do, so I was helping her out. But I didn't have any – there's no there's no panic there. It's mm. like I've seen it all in movies before, you know what I mean? Or you hear yeah. stories of people, you know, people get hit by a car and they're, they're dead on the ground. People just walk up and film it on Instagram. It's, you know, there shouldn't be a first reaction. The first reaction should be shock. And But yeah. you know, I, had a mate, I had a mate who got launched off a, off a bike, hit by a car. The car, the car stopped. And the car tires up on his back, and the first thing someone does is run over and starts filming on an Instagram story. Oh. You know, the first inst- the first instinct isn't to help or to, to feel you know, to feel any sort of sympathy. It's like it's, a, it's like it's a simulation because I've seen it in the movies so many times. Yeah, it's that, and also the fact that, as you said, we're so like it's it's just completely altered our sense of reality. Well, that should be shocking to an av- to the average person. Take away media. Video games, movies, the rest of it—that'd be shocking to anybody. But yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just like another day because it said they've seen it before, and we've, right. we're like robots in a sense where we're just—we've lost a lot of emotion. What made us, you know, what makes us human? We're, we're yeah. losing that, and that's that's a great example of that. Where the, 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 first- only, the only emotion that's that's remained and has actually been amplified is is like is is. Is anger towards other people, and um, you know, and you, and you obviously you obviously see that people have just lost all, all compassion. Yeah, yeah, they have. And they go, go through the motions of of just being an asshole, pretty much. Yeah, because they're allowed to, and because they get away with it. And that's the problem again with social media is that people can be whatever or whoever they want to be, and there's no they can they can do or say whatever they want, and there's no consequences for that. I've had people threaten I've had people threaten my family. Yeah, on Instagram, like people get so angry, they threaten my family. It's like, like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, are you like you like you must be mentally ill. Like, what makes you like? If you don't like me, fine. It doesn't. I don't care. But why would you threaten someone's family? Look the fuck. Yeah. The people. Just- if, you wanted, if you wanted to take it further, they probably they probably have immunity because they follow the narrative and they're not they're getting a slap on the wrist. That's right. And let's be honest, none of those people are ever going to do shit. Yeah. If it was someone who was, you know, of our of our mindset who said that to someone else, Mm. then the consequences would be different. Very different. That's that is uh that is social credit score, pretty much. Definitely. You get labeled an extremist. Yeah. Yeah, your consequences are based on on your 
your political views or whatever it is, the consequences are different for you. Yeah, absolutely. And that, is, that, is, that is having a social credit score put to your put to your name. It's not it's not yet like a physical thing where you actually literally have a score against your name, but it's 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 on its way there. Mate, it is on the way there, and that's coming. And that's something I spoke to Senator Malcolm Roberts about. Out of all the politicians I've spoken to, because look, there's been many of them that have reached out and I've said no because I, just, I don't like what they're about. They've done some things in the past. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to really speak to you. But there's some good ones there, and he's one of them. Honestly, he's one of them. And you can tell the difference between a politician that's motivated purely financially or for power and another politician who really has Australians' interest at heart. There's a huge difference. And you can pick that up almost immediately when you speak to them. And I don't align with any political party um, because, you know, as a whole, I don't trust anyone. I don't trust any politician as a whole. But, you know, there's some that I will speak to. because I do believe, because they make sense, they put a lot of work in, and you can see what they're doing doesn't really benefit them in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, there's still some good ones out there, but it's, they're getting harder and harder to, to come by, and that's, um, I guess, part of the reason why we're here. But anyway, man, I'll, um, before we jump off, man, what's your goals for the next, let's say, three years? What are you hoping to achieve in your in your career? Oh, man, just, just, trying, just trying to actually get into the office. Right. <laughs> Man, um, yeah, we we're, we're even talking about shipping over to the states and and uh, just doing t- maybe twelve months stint there, just to avoid any restrictions and any any limitations. But um, we'll see how we go, you know, with with a little one now. But man, it's full on at the moment. We we're trying to build a house, um, you know, trying to organise fights and you know, new baby just 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 arrived. So yeah, hopefully, I'd like to stream together at least three fights this year, even if I even if I do like a a bit of a stint myself in, in the States and just do a, a few, you know, maybe, maybe a month or so apart. Um, yeah. Just get active. You know, I've had, I've had a few stints where, you know, due to surgeries and my daughter being born, I had about two stints where I had 10 months off. Yeah. I don't really want to be doing that again. Uh, like I said, I feel like it's a good time for me, you know, I'm late twenties, you know, probably physically quite mature now yeah. um, and mentally as well. My training seems to be falling into place, so I just want to get in there, get active, and that's about it. And just uh, just get as many fights as like as I can. Those, yeah, I don't I don't have a goal of like reaching a certain rank, or I'll just give it one hundred and ten percent, and however far I, I, I can take it, that's how far I'll take it. So you're staying in welterweight for the time being, anyway. That's your weight. For the time being, yeah, yeah. I start I started blowing up, and I thought maybe oh, you know, I probably could do middleweight, but and those guys are monsters. And I have no issue making miles weight. So, you know, I mean, maybe towards the end of my career, I might jump up to middleweight and have a, you know, just just get as small as I can and just throw some big, heavy overhands. Um, See how you go. Man, it works for some people, man. Yeah. And then I can say, you know, I'm probably one one of the, you know, there's probably not many people that have fought across three divisions in the UFC. So... Mm. Another another sort of, another something else on the resume. But, um, yeah, we'll set the time being, man. I cut, like, I almost walk around. I could, I could make weight for a fight within a week. So I'll be staying a while to wait for a little while. Yeah, that's good, but it serves you well. I mean, it's so look at you said before, Whitaker. Whitaker is a great example of that. The guy's yeah. been, besides Izzy, let's be honest, besides Izzy, he's by far the, like, that's the problem with that division, isn't it? You've got Izzy, Rob, who are clearly above the rest. Um, and it's sort of a stalemate at the moment where, you know, what are they going to do? But Rob, besides Izzy, Rob's been unstoppable at middleweight. And, he struggled a little bit at welterweight, uh, and but since he's moved to middleweight, man, he's been on a on a tear. Yeah. 
And if you thought you saw the state of Rob at the weigh-ins when he was a welterweight, you'd um you'd probably be surprised that he did so well actually at welterweight. Yeah, it obviously was, I did, he, he was struggling. Like I was, yeah, I was in I was in I was in a bad way after my weight cuts, but he was he was next level again. So um, for his last couple of fights at welterweight, you could probably excuse him. Um, and yeah. then when he went to middleweight, man, he's just unstoppable. So so that's what I'm trying to achieve. So hopefully we get there. Maybe we get there. I just, need to, get, I just, need, to, I just need to get. I just need to get into the octagon without any any limitations, and um, I'll be good to go. What's the UFC's plans? Because they haven't done a show down here in ages. Uh, there's been no word, but I couldn't imagine they'd be coming down here anytime soon. No, um, so. thing, you know, things things sort of change at the drop of a hat. So I'm sure as, as soon as an opening ar- arrives, um, arises, sorry, the the UFC will, will book something in. But it's just a matter of when that's going to happen, and it's just it's just a roller coaster at the moment. So it's very you know, and the the logistics behind getting a UFC event here, you know, the equipment and the the staff and the fighters and their corners, um, you know, and then you've got like you know the the you know all these passports and stuff that you got to get sorted now. It's just it just be a nightmare. So I think that's why they're just they're just sticking in the US at the moment. That makes um, sense for them, but they've done a great job yeah. of keeping the shit going, man. That they were the part of the best in the world at that. Are keeping things going throughout the pandemic. It's that's a credit to Dame. Man, that guy is an animal. Really, as a businessman, he's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind fighting in the states because I don't pay any tax in Australia. I no, don't mind doing that. That's right. Do you have the treaty there? At the moment, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to not give them a cent. So, absolutely, half your luck. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, brother, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, man, and I hope to talk to you again soon, and hopefully um, you get that fight booked. When, when did you say you're looking at March, was it, or May? Late, late May. So May, May 21st, around that date. So like, Obviously, that, that'll, that'll be in the States, obviously, I would imagine. It'll, it'll be in the States, um, and I've put down a few a few big names, so hopefully one of those come back, and uh, yeah, we'll get a good fight. The bigger yeah. the name, the more motivation I have to, to train. So Absolutely. And as I said, man, it was a, watching your Diego performance, um, mate, I did. I've seen a lot of maturity there, and as you said, probably a little bit too safe. But I think you can be excused for that. You're fighting a legend of the sport, and you have a lot of respect for him, and um, that could be excused. But man, I was very impressed uh, with, no, that, with that it. performance you of yours, man. But um, listen, it's been a pleasure, man. You're welcome back anytime. I'll have a chat for sure, and um, hopefully next time you're on that you're on that that role. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, I'll get a good absolutely. couple. Of, uh, yeah, I'm looking to looking to get a few knockouts. On my on my uh, record now, so I'd oh, love to see it. All right, brother, listen, it's a pleasure. Check back in in a, in a few months, and we'll see how we're going. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Cheers, bro. I appreciate it. See you, Thank bro. You.